Hello and welcome to another episode of the How Might We podcast. And today I'm pleased to be joined by Sadia Rizvi and she's going to be talking about how might we increase creativity and innovation in the workplace to keep up with changing times, which I'm sure is interesting to anyone in organisations in the current situation during and post-COVID. So welcome, Sadia. Thank you very much, Scott. I'm very happy to be here. Goodly, goodly. So would you like to introduce yourself a little bit to the listeners, please? Well, sure. Well, I've uh, mostly been connected with the areas of marketing and communication. And uh, after completing my master's, and that was like eons ago, I took a job in the oil marketing sector. And within a couple of years, I realized that facilitation was my true calling. So I began to teach at one of the most prestigious business universities in Pakistan. And while I was working there, I was working on collaborative projects with the media industry for research purposes entirely. And, um, and through that, I developed great insights into media research, consumer shopping patterns, and purchase philosophies. And I got opportunities to work with some fantastic people, some great consumer research companies, and uh, I, fought, I think I formed some good relationships. And it was about 2007 that I moved to the UAE where I have actually spent a great portion of my childhood. So it was basically like coming back home. Okay. And I began to work as a marketing uh, consultant and facilitator. And uh, I, I did that for a couple of years. And then I gave up my nine to five job and became a freelance trainer. And since then, I have done a lot of content development and facilitation work. And uh, more recently, Scott, I started making YouTube videos for the A-level business student. And this is, by the way, entirely a COVID venture for me. So I thought I could uh, employ my time more creatively by targeting students who might need help with their business curriculum. So what I do is that I go over the past papers, I pick a couple of commonly repeated questions, and I build my content around them. So basically, I'm answering those questions for the student. And because as I see it, the millennials are always hunting for, you know, quick solutions, quick fixes, immediate gratification. And uh, they are tech savvy. And since they spend majority of their time online, I thought, why not reach them through their preferred channels? So yeah, that's what I'm doing right now. I'm uh, making YouTube videos. And that's a niche I'm targeting. Okay. What now, do you say? Well, though, yes. Well, it's an interesting thing to do. And as you say, driven possibly by what happened with COVID and the desire to uh, make ourselves busy and useful um, in this time of yes. life. So yeah. how's, how's that venture going? I'm sorry, what? How is the venture going? Adventure is going well. It's uh, still in its infancy stages, actually. And I have a lot of uh, reading up to do because my areas have primarily been marketing and communication, advertising and branding. And so, you know, I've always focused on those areas more. And although management and business is what I've studied, but, you know, going back to that and reading up and I mean, it's fun. I, I love learning. So whatever form it may be, it's fun for me. Okay, that's cool. Well, I love learning too. So in my Clifton Strengths, in my top five, learner is definitely in the top five. So I can definitely relate to that. So you want to talk today um, about how we could increase innovation and creativity in the workplace, um, especially with what's going on and the, the speed of change that we're experiencing. Exactly. And uh, for me, particularly, creativity and innovation are very important because uh, firstly, my field of study has always been marketing and innovation and creativity are both important components of this subject area. And secondly, as a facilitator and a content developer, I feel that it is necessary for me to engage my audiences creatively and to provide them with new and current insights into changing market scenarios and, you know, how companies innovate to sustain and how they employ creativity, um, not only in their advertising, but also in 
their methods of distribution, in their product design, in their pricing architecture, and in their communication. So creativity and innovation is what I practice and what I preach. And since I'm doing learning and communicating and facilitating, those all require, I believe, an element of creative design. So that's why it's so important to me. Okay. And do you feel that it's more important now moving forward than it has been in the past? That is true. I mean, uh, look at the situation currently. I mean, COVID has literally brought us down to our knees. Companies that were initially expecting growth were suddenly thrown into a survival mode. Almost everyone initially was struggling to survive. The schools had to rethink their education strategy and restaurants and fashion outlets had to engage in major overhauls. And they even had to, in certain cases, declare bankruptcy. So the switch from actually responding to the pandemic to actually getting back in your feet and navigating forward meant that companies had to manage several things at once. You know, they had to readjust their commercial strategies. They had to keep pace with the changing consumer preferences. And they also had to become more proactive in pursuing opportunities because you know how it is, Scott. I mean, in every crisis, there is some kind of opportunity for someone. I mean, look at the increase in the share prices of uh, Amazon and all these delivery companies and the surge in online retailing. And even um, the multi-channel grocers have greatly benefited from COVID. So one person's loss will always be another's gain. And, you know, COVID has changed the way people purchase. In these times, companies that demonstrate a certain level of empathy and work on products that provide security and comfort are the ones that are actually winning. Okay. And do you think that's something that will be relevant moving forward? Always. Because since the shopping patterns of the individual consumer have changed, so the companies therefore have to adapt to those change styles. And they have to now invest more in content development and in making their websites and all, you know, all places where consumers interact with them more personalized and more engaging. And they have to invest in digital platforms and channels. And they have to reach the consumer through his preferred channel so as to address his current need in the right tone, uh, using the right language, and making the right brand promise. So in short, I mean, a hyper-customized approach, more investments in digital platforms, data analytics, and of course, in incorporating speed in their future work models to keep up with the pace of change. Okay, so I just want to unpick that a little bit. So the three things you really talked about is individualization of uh, messages and offerings. Yes. Which you think is really important. The speed of delivery of those promises. Yes. And uh, whatever you're doing. And the third thing is, is it's, uh, I think it's just picking out. In, what, sorry? Investment in digital technologies. Okay, so do you think the digital technology is the thing that enables those other things to happen? Yes, that is true. But uh, before that, I want to talk about the speed of response, because I believe that trumps everything else. So whenever a pandemic happens, and if you are a futuristic concern, the first thing that you have to do is respond effectively and quickly to any situation. Because when COVID-19 happened, companies had to literally change everything. I mean, they had to redeploy their talent. They had to operate at optimum capacity with a very minimal workforce and changing everything, changing shifts and timings, training their workers within a span of two to three weeks. You know, and they had to reinvent everything, reinvent core processes, embrace new technologies and adopt more collaborative tools. So whenever something like this happens, I mean, whenever an emergency situation is created, we can no longer wait for the best practices to emerge so that we may follow them. 
I mean, we have to come up with the best practices that work in our particular industry and our particular product category. And that is, and from that point, we have to move forward. And I believe it was the speed that separated, the speed of response that separated uh, the ordinary organizations from the extraordinary organizations in this COVID scenario. So what do you think and, companies can do to help them internally and or externally to increase their speed and their adaptability? In the future, in the future, what we can do is that the best companies have to take these models that they have forged in this crisis and make them a permanent part of their organizational philosophy. I mean, always work as flatter, uh, non-hierarchical structures uh, that respond quickly and boldly is what I think companies should do. And uh, quick meetings with quick solutions, uh, using your most competent staff on the most difficult problems. And I mean, they should keep this as a constant in their post-COVID scenario. And frontline employees should be assigned the leadership roles. Partnerships and collaborations should be worked on. I mean, partnerships always help you synergize and align your resources. Some companies have the know-how but other companies may have the distribution network, for instance. So if you create synergies within departments and outside your organization with your partners, so you can achieve a lot in these difficult emergency situations. So that, that sounds like quite a shift from where companies tend to view each other uh, more as competition than collaborators. Yes, that's right, because sometimes you have to make your competition your allies. I mean, you can't always compete. I mean, of course, you have to compete if you want to be in the market. I mean, your positioning is what determines your success. But at the same time, some, it is also important to you know, create those partnerships and collaborations moving forward. And, uh, and, and that, that is true for within the organization as well. I mean, it's not just outside that you have to be creative. You also have to be creative within the organization and come up with solutions when you're faced with something like this. Okay, and do you think this is something even as it is interesting you said that post-COVID or when we get back to whatever is, well, I don't think it's getting back to, is when we move forward to whatever it's going to be in the future. So I think the language needs to change from not thinking of going backwards, it's what it was like, but when we move forward into the next phase of yes. business. So you're, you're quite adamant that you believe that these organisations that have been successful maintain this type of collaborative approach internally and externally. Yes, I believe whatever skills that they have acquired, they can take into the future. I mean, uh, look at the hybrid teams that we have right now. You see, people generally work better when you allow them to, the freedom to work in shifts or from lo remote locations like their homes. Their productivity is higher and they are generally more focused. A lot of the people in the workplace are millennials and millennials are what we call digital natives. Uh, they are tech savvy and they don't necessarily have to be restricted by logistical boundaries. Uh, so these are things that we can take forward. So when we talk about changing processes, the first thing we need to do is align our technological platforms and form these hybrid teams and, or continue rather with these hybrid teams and make sure that people are familiar and comfortable with the use of softwares and technology. And then it's what, well, it's just business as usual. Okay, so obviously you come from a marketing background. Yes. You said in the past, and it's quite interesting about marketing is some of the things you were talking about is the individualization of uh, our communication channels and our offerings that we give people as our clients or customers. So yes. what from marketing do you think um, organizations can learn internally 
um, and externally to help them do this. What they can learn the most, I think, is uh, understanding how creativity and innovation should be a permanent part of their organizational culture. And if I give you the loosest definition of creativity, it's about bringing a fresh perspective. And it's about breaking the chains or moving away from the norm and about creating disruption and, you know, breaking through the clutter and making yourself known. So basically, creativity is what should be embedded in your organizational culture. You can't just be creative one day and not the next day. So this creativity has to be nurtured and it has to be fed. Previously, the concept was that if you want to be creative, you just hire uh, creatives and you set up a creative department. But that is no longer true. Creativity in your workplace, or if you want to bring any disruption in the workplace, is a direct function of allowing change to happen. You see, people are always talking about the world being on pause in COVID times. Uh, People say that, you know, we are on pause right now, but that's not true. Because I believe that organizations always go on, businesses go on, uh, lives go on. So we can't really hide behind such slogans as the world being on pause. We need to reinvent ourselves and reappear and that too stronger than ever, you know, and that comes from bringing in people who come up with the wildest ideas. Uh, We need disruption in the workplace and in the ways of doing business. And it is this disruption that actually helps creativity to take place. And uh, when I talk about reinvention, Scott, I'm basically talking about unlearning the old ways of doing things so that you may relearn giving up the old ways of doing stuff, coming up with newer solutions that are both favorable and empathetic. Because at the end of the day, we are people talking to people, people dealing with people and people selling to people. So from the marketing point of view, I say, keep creativity on. I mean, keep creativity and innovation as a permanent part of your organizational philosophy and embedded, it should be embedded. It shouldn't just be a department or a couple of people. Okay, so that's what I believe. Okay, so if you ask, I'll go back to some. My personally, I I'm agreeing with you that we need creativity across the whole organisation. And if you take your, as you say, the loosest version of creativity, it's just seeing something from a different perspective. Yes. Even if you have a stricter one, but we'll work on that one for now. Everybody is creative. Well, everyone has the capability to be creative. So I don't think we need to think about as as you rightly say, creativity coming from creative types. Is that creativity comes from everybody? Yes, and it also comes from empowering your employees because um, they are more likely to perform. And if they feel that they're in a safe place where they are able to voice their opinions and come up with creative solutions to problems, so they are more likely to be more engaged and they will hang around longer. You know, I mean, you'd be surprised at the kind of creativity your staff can bring in. And at the time of hiring also, I mean, don't look for square pegs to fit into square holes. Create diversity, I say. Create diversity in your workforce. And by diversity, I don't mean like uh, diversity of culture or gender. I'm talking about experiential diversity. Hire a geologist to work in your HR department, for instance, and observe uh, how he brings a new perspective to the same old tasks. And uh, I say that's the only way to go. Don't waste time on the tiny things. Look at the larger picture. If employees are allowed to choose their assignments, that is, their working hours, uh, who they'd like to work with, what projects they want to work on. I mean, that's uh, taking creativity and innovation to a whole different level. I mean, I mean, Steve Jobs, you know, quote comes to mind. He said that we don't hire the most talented people so that we can tell them what to do. 
I mean, we hire them so that they can tell us what to do. So, you know, I mean, if you hire the right people or you have the high, right philosophy within your organization, creativity and innovation are inevitable. That's how I view it. All right. So you're saying that creativity and innovation is, well, creativity not so, but definitely innovation is an output of having these things that you've said in place, such as giving people the freedom to make choices, giving them the space where they can come up with ideas, where you're encouraging and have this diversity within your workforce. You're saying if you do that, then the output would be more innovation. Yes. And uh, you will also have, you see, when we talk about creativity and innovation, although these terms are generally used interchangeably, there are like the general opinion is that it is creativity that leads to innovation. Right. I mean, people say that creativity is a germination of an idea and innovation is actually the implementation of that creative thought or idea. But if you ask me, and this is, by the way, purely from a marketing perspective, uh, I would say that innovation has to do more with product development and creativity can take place at every step and stage of that product development from there could be a creativity in design. That is a product design. There could be creativity in the developing the brand persona of the product. There could be creativity in the packaging. There could be a creativity in the distribution channels. I mean, there could be creativity anywhere. So I usually take creativity and innovation to be two separate things, you know? And innovation, by the way, for me, is a two-edged sword. I mean, it is great to be innovative, but to qualify as innovative, you have to be on top of your game all the time. I mean, you can't be innovative one day and not the, not the other day, just like being creative, right? And so to do this, most companies engage in what is known as planned obsolescence. It's when you deliberately make your own product obsolete so that you can introduce a newer version or a newer technology. And this happens mostly, for example, if you're talking about televisions, so you introduce a flatter television, or if you're talking about cell phones, a better, faster, more efficient, slimmer cell phone with uh, maybe more memory or you know, a higher pixel camera. So what I'm trying to say is that planned obsolescence is necessary for innovation to take place. You have to make your own product obsolete so that you can introduce a newer, more creative version of it in the future. So and companies do it all the time. In the tech world, that's, that's quite an understanding, is it? Because tech, tech moves on at a rapid pace. So, what Particularly, you, yes, yes. Whatever is useful or is, is cutting edge now in five years' time would look old so there is there is a, a thing of total the total evolution and revolution of technologies as we adapt but the concept yes. coming from is, is making your own product obsolete yes it seem quite dangerous for some companies to consider yes but mostly um companies try to innovate reinvent and improve and improvise so i mean this is part of most organizations model i mean whenever you're forming your business model you're always looking for newer products and you're looking to diversify your portfolio and to be, create new variants of the same product and to do that whenever you come up with a newer product it is almost always better than the old isn't it i mean you would introduce more features in it uh, more variants in it something that would make consumers switch because if you can't just eat into your cannibalize your own market share, can you now? So whenever you introduce your new product, you just have to make it slightly better than the old. And this is also where I think the concept of technological readiness comes in. And this is particularly with regard to telecom sector and technology companies. I mean, how ready are we 
to embrace a new technology. In COVID times, people who had never interacted with online platforms were literally hurled into a world of technology, right? They had to up their game within a span of a couple of hours, maybe. So how ready are we for technology? Uh, what can we do to increase our pace of readiness? And um, Akio Morita, Sony's visionary leader, his, you know, what he said comes and pops up into my mind. He said that a lot of times the customer or the consumer doesn't know what is possible, but we know what is possible. So it's like you're waiting for the right time to introduce your product, depending upon how technologically ready the market is and how willing to embrace the technology the consumer is. And, and I mean, and this is exactly, I think, where the innovative leaders come in. Okay, if we, okay, we can just, I just want to dial back a little bit, where you talked about the technological readiness and how COVID um, sort of forced individuals and organizations to embrace technology on a level they've never had to before. You look at the digital, yes. digital transformations organization have gone to, to generate an infrastructure that would allow a large portion of their people to actually function from home. And look yes. at how we reduce some of the uh, bureaucracy in our organizations because you couldn't have signatures because you couldn't take a form around an office and get seven people to sign it. So we needed to yes. ways of working. So do you believe that the, some of these uh, changes that have happened pretty much globally because there's, there's nowhere that's not been impacted some way by this and moved on to some level of technology they've never had. Do you believe that, this, that some of these that COVID is creating a new speed of adaptability or as you say the, the technical readiness within the marketplace for customers and also within the organizations and how they can imagine how they work of course i mean organizations had to adapt and individuals had to adapt i mean uh, when something changes you just have to keep up with the times i mean there were people especially the baby bloomers who were not so used to technology and some of them are still in the workplace so they had to adapt you see, and that and the only way was to learn, to learn new platforms and to, uh, you know, get help. If you had to get help, you had to get help and uh, to train themselves or to get the required training. So I think, yes, of course, when technology changes or when the pace of the world changes, you have to adapt accordingly. And everyone had to adapt. I mean, they weren't the only ones who had to adapt. I mean, there were some, or I know some banks in the UAE because that's where I live. And they were ready. They went online within a span of hours. And there were other organizations. I mean, and I'm, by, I'm not talking about online banking. I'm talking about everything online. They were ready to work online. Their teams were ready. And this also has a lot to do with scenario building. I mean, a lot of companies have these systems in place where they engage in scenario building activities. That what will we do if this happens? What if we do if there's a, you know, if there's a strike or if there's a war or if there's a pandemic, for instance? And a lot of companies don't have that. So incorporating these concepts of scenario building, succession planning, career management, I mean, these are important things that every organization should have, uh, not just a few. I mean, I know that the MNCs have them in place, but not every organization has it. And I think they should. And organizations have adapted tremendously to the change in COVID. I mean, I totally believe that. Well, I think, yeah, there's, there's very few companies who have not been impacted. I think there's, uh, some will, I think, as you say, will come out leaner, meaner, and stronger. Some will come out 
slightly battered and bruised, but we'll probably get through it. And I think there are, unfortunately, there's a proportion of companies who will not be able to survive what is happening. Yes, that's true. But you see, when you are faced with such a situation, and organizations that can should mobilize their agents of change. And I've always talked about that, you know, that you need to, and these agents of change necessarily don't, don't necessarily have to be project managers or senior executives. They could be people anywhere in the hierarchical structure of the organization who have the right attitude, who have initiative, who possess strong communication skills and good people skills, be empathetic. And these are the talented individuals that need to be identified and mobilized so that a smooth transition can take place. And these are the people who should be picked up and they usually work as spokespersons for the CEO because no matter how much the dream may be, the CEO cannot really um, engage with every employee within the organization. Uh, it's just like an election, you know. I mean, you need campaign managers to run your show, to rally for your cause. So these agents of change, if they share your vision, they can become your voice. And they are particularly important when you are launching uh, a new system or a new technology within the organization. Or it could even be a new product or a new process. Okay, so you so need to mobilize these change agents. All right, so one question for you then. If you had to, in a few sentences or less describe an ideal change agent taking on the the what you've said about it they could be anywhere in the organization it's more about them as an individual than what the, the role within the business how would you describe an ideal change agent so if people were looking at using them how what could they do to help identify potential people ideally people with strong communication skills people who are passionate determined people who usually take on more responsibility and usually have more initiative than the others people who liaise with multiple departments and people who usually share uh, the vision of the organization and who are quick to pick up on change and who are desirous of change those people i think should be your agents of change so if you go back to marketing, would they be like the, your early adapt adopters? Yes, they would be the early adopters. That's absolutely right. Okay, so again, we can learn from marketing. You think a lot of what you've done, is, is your, as you say, your background in marketing, and you think gives you a good grounding on some of the philosophies and how marketing work can be yes. in the wider organization. That's right. Okay, the last thing we can talk about is as, as the area you talked about that we haven't covered yet was the individualization of uh, communication to potential clients, customers, and offerings. Yes, I believe that whenever, in fact, the core of marketing or the core of any organization, the center of every organization has to be the customer. You can't um, do anything without keeping the customer at the forefront of every development, whether it's innovation or creativity, product development, or whatever you're doing, the customer has to be at the center of your thought process. I mean, everything you do has to be centered around the customer, his convenience, his affordability, uh, accessibility, availability, everything has to be done for the customer. And that is the only way to engage him. You see, I mean, when I talk about customer engagement, you have to understand that the customer is the one who chooses to interact with your brand and not vice versa. I mean, your brand could be in the market for 20 years and the customer never even looked at your brand. So it is always the customer who chooses to interact with your brand. So it is your job to make sure that the brand experience is worthwhile for him. 
And the more you focus on these things, the convenience and affordability and accessibility in your marketing strategy, the more likely you are to engage the customer. I mean, Coca-Cola has had lifelong followers. People who drink Coca-Cola would never go for another cola. And that kind of loyalty takes years to develop. And it is a direct function of your consistency to fulfill your brand promise. So remember to never, you know, overpromise and underdeliver. And whatever your engagement has, whatever engagement your customer has with your brand should always leave him uh, with a sense of satisfaction and a willingness to return to you once more. And this you can do through your online shopping experiences. This you, you could do through your after sales service. You could do through your product design and getting the customer involved and engaged at all times. Okay. So that's that where I was talking because this sort of overlaps a little bit to what I was talking with Charlie for our first podcast. And okay. The concept is that we should be looking at an internal customer journey as well. So the things that you're talking about, and I, I quite like where you said. Um, the customer chooses to engage with the brand. So yes. We then say, well, our employees are our internal customers. So what yes. are we doing and these people to engage in our brand, like the story and the purpose and everything else that our company is trying to achieve, that they then buy into that as workforce, which will help people we're looking for. See, for. For the employees who are your internal customers, they should be engaged at an intrinsic level. Because if they are happy and motivated, that would increase you know, their productivity. And you can increase that happiness and motivation through appreciation and through reward. And also through regular maybe brainstorming sessions at work where they are given the freedom and the safe spaces to share their ideas and thoughts. So I say create safe spaces where they can discuss solutions, allow their input in company processes and systems because they're more likely to feel part of something if their opinions are valued and received well and also mingling at social meets outside work. And within work, maybe group exercises, interdepartmental competitions, interdepartmental assignments, community uh, engagement programs, group yoga sessions at the workplace to foster positivity and energy, family camping trips maybe. Music too is a great unifier. Uh, so maybe get everyone together for a music fest or a karaoke night. So it's very important to engage your employees. And, and one other factor which is extremely important is empowering your employees. You see, you have to empower them because that is the key to success of any organization. Okay, so what I'm going to do is just to wrap up because um, we've covered quite a lot and it was interesting to listen to the points that you made and the sort of how you've moved marketing into the workplace to help organizations become creative and innovative and difference between creativity and innovation in your view i can't hear you scott sorry you can't hear me uh can you hear me now hello can you hear me now hello can you hear me now yes 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 i can now okay just to, to wrap up so what we've done over the last like 30 minutes is listen to your sort of how you see marketing as a, as, a, as a great area to take the some of the knowledge and skills from marketing and apply them across the whole organization to create this innovation and creativity and you give them some yes. tips on the three areas like uh, the speed of delivery getting more agility empowering staff engaging with your staff as well as your your audience looking at your individualization of your message and checking the tech readiness of your clients, but also your staff and dealing with this. So if you were to say to 
say for instance, you were sitting there talking to a CEO of an organization or the senior management team. And they said, right, I just want you to give us five things that we could do as a company that would help us increase our innovation and creativity. Oh, so what I have is uh, advice and also more of a survival guide. I say that I have seen that the largest strides that have been made in the previous years have been made in the technological companies and in the telecom sector, both of which are heavily reliant on digital mechanics. So I say, number one, invest heavily in digital technologies and data analytics. And I also say, number two, empower your workers so that they are better engaged. Uh, number three, keep tabs on your competitors because knowledge about their activities may help you forge your path ahead. And a lot of times it will help you decide what to do and what not to do. And of course, thirdly, keep creativity and innovation at the center of everything you do. It should be deeply embedded in your organizational culture. And uh, finally, carry out extensive consumer research. Your customer should always be at the center of every decision that you make. And uh, I believe that if you follow these guidelines, you can never be underprepared or overmatched. Okay. Just want to pick up one thing there because you mentioned in three of your answers is analytics or data. Yes. Using of data. One's because you say market research about what your clients want. Understand what your opposition are doing or your potential, uh, what's happening in the marketplace itself. And then sort of the individualization, et cetera. So how important do you then see as data is in this helping become innovative and creative? It is very important. And I'm going to talk about a little bit about research before I talk about data analytics. You see, research is about gaining insights into the consumer behavior, changing market trends and market landscape. I mean, look at us right now in the COVID scenario. We are at home. Our home is our office. It is our place of worship. It is our entertainment zone. It is the place where we have all our meals. It is also the place where we exercise or interact via a screen with our clients or with our friends or with our peers, right? So what does this data mean? It means that companies can now focus on providing individuals with more customized entertainment options through television, digital media, and radio. They can provide us more customized indoor gym equipment uh, with maybe more comprehensive workout routines. And they can provide us with more customized and user-friendly online shopping experiences that make virtual shopping not just affordable and convenient, but also engaging and fun. And also more customized and better designed meal plans that are altered to the taste of the individual customer. I mean, you can no longer engage in a mass product with mass appeal strategy. You now have to target the individual with their unique needs and preferences and mold yourself accordingly. So although research has always been important, it is exceedingly important now because most of our purchases are being conducted online and researchers have now been denied the right to observe from afar the customer while he is making his purchase. And I think the customer has now been denied the right to sensory check the product before buying it. You know how we feel the product and if it's coffee, we smell it. I mean, we touch it. I mean, so what happens in such a scenario? I mean, how do you get information on your customer? And that is where the analytics and the metrics come in. The customer purchase timings, you have to check those. The seasonality of the you know, purchase, the online product specifications, the delivery mechanisms, you have to assess these. 
the customer reviews and ratings. You have to deliberate over them so that you know how he purchases, when he purchases, what changes he requires from you as an organization with regard product specifications, sizes, colors, variants, etc. And this is where metrics and analytics come in. I mean, you have to see uh, the RPR, that is a repeated purchase rate, for instance, or the frequency of his purchase. And these can all be measured first with, uh, you know, with these data analytics. And that's what I'm talking about. So a research has to be key, is key to your success as an organization in these times particularly. Okay. And I think I could agree on a lot of that is that data helps us make informed decisions based on insight. And then yes. The insight and it's the individualization. There seems to come out there now more as we're demanding more as individuals, as clients, as customers, but also I think internally as within uh, as a worker, and having yep. our our engagement strategies and structures all around what do what the people in the normal want or the average want isn't going to deliver what we're looking for. Is that's absolutely right? Yeah. And as you say, give people the freedom to make choices. Do do as much freedom as you can, and then you're much more and the safe place, you're much more likely to get that engagement. That, innovation and creativity yep absolutely okay well i'd like to thank you for your time that flew by to just 30 odd minutes already <laughs> absolutely that, was, um, that so, was really fun i mean you just asked the right questions inshallah <laughs> and, uh, and thank you for sharing your insights and your opinion on what's going on um, and your views of the future landscape and how companies do and your tips on helping them get there is there anything you would like to add before we finish? No, thank you. I, I really had a good time. I just feel that a lot of times companies are creative or innovative because everyone around them is being creative or innovative. So although jumping on the bandwagon is not a bad idea most of the time, it should be purposeful and meaningful. I mean, create and innovate with a view to sustain. So you have to have your eyes on the bottom line at all times. So, and profitability is key for the future in the long run. You should always think about that. Creativity for the sake of creativity never works. So that is all I have. I mean, that's the major takeaway. Okay, so creativity with purpose. Creativity with purpose, meaningful and purposeful, yes. And purposeful that will make us sustainable for the future, which is good. Okay, well, thank you very much for your time. It was a pleasure listening to You're you. You're most welcome. I had a lovely time. It was so great talking to you. All the welcome. Okay, thank you very much. All right then, Scott. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, bye-bye.